Collingwood by a point. Lockyer brings it in. Right a sandwich between two pies. Back of the Packers, Winderlich. Quick handball to Hocking. Back to Lovett Murray. He goes short. It's a mark to Zaharakis. Zaharakis has kicked the goal. The Bombers are in front of the G. Unbelievable scenes here. David Zaharakis. Essendon back in front after all looked lost. Stack the back line. Well, Look at them go down, the Bombers. There's about 18 players going deep in defence. Every single Essendon player is going to go into defence now and try and clog it up. Hello everybody and welcome to yet another episode of Homo Sapiens. But today we're not talking about cricket. At last. Today we will be talking about a different sport, but it's not going to be a conventional one, not an Indianized anyway, not soccer, basketball, tennis, what have you. We'll be talking about Australian rules football. No, it is not rugby. Hardcore cricket fans may know this sport as the sport that keeps the MCG occupied during the Australian winter, that is our summer. Why an AFL podcast? Well, the grand final, that is the showpiece event of the Australian Football League, will be taking place this coming Saturday. Uh, and there's a bit of uh, and, and there's a bit of spice added to the mixture over there as well, as this grand final will be held in Perth, which is rather unconventional. Firstly, and secondly, we have Melbourne, which is the oldest club in the AFL and an establishment team. Uh, they'll be playing the Western Bulldogs, who are a working class team from the western suburbs of Melbourne, who had their own fairy tale story in 2016. Uh, that's enough about uh, the game as it is right now. How did it all begin? It was founded in Melbourne in 1858 as a way to keep cricketers fit during the winter. But since then, it has grown into arguably Australia's most popular sport. As for market research company Roy Morgan, over 7.5 million Australians, that's around 36% of the population, watched AFL matches on TV, at least occasionally in 2020. What is this game, though? As a newcomer, I find it to be a mix of soccer, basketball, and rugby. But that's enough from me. I would like to introduce Sudeep Chakraborty, who has been the head of AFL India. And I would like him to explain the game as well as the league as, and the work that the AFL has done to advance the cause of the sport in India. Sudeep, it's a pleasure to have you here. Well, thanks a lot, Raghav. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, yeah, so great to be talking about Australian rules football. So firstly, Sudeep, we'd like to, you to maybe go through the basics of the game and sort of explain it the way you would to a complete newcomer. Sure. So, um, as you mentioned, this game was developed to keep cricketers fit in the off-season originally, back in 1858. Uh, this game actually involves skills from, uh, as you rightly point, pointed out, basketball, soccer, rugby, but also volleyball. So, uh, an Australian football game is usually played on any cricket oval that, that exists around the country in Australia. And it consists of um, two teams of 18 players on field. So a total of 36 players on field um, mm -hmm. as the grounds are, you know, um, 1.5 times bigger than a soccer game, like uh, our traditional round football yes. game. So uh, a game starts at the center circle where two of the tallest players who are called the Ruckmen uh, yes. start the game like in basketball. So the umpire throws the ball up in air and then the two tallest players jump high in the air to get possession of the ball. Uh, and then they uh, either pass it on with their hand, like a volleyball underarm serve, 
to their teammates who are close by, right. or they can also kick the ball in the air, uh, like how a goalkeeper would kick a lob and then pass it uh, to a longer distance to their teammates uh, around the field. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike rugby, this game can be played in 360 degrees, so you can hit in any direction. Right. Whereas in rugby, you can only pass sidewards. Yes, or backwards. Um, you can't throw it forward. Yes. Um, so this is about the passing and the movement. Um, and then I'll come go straight to the scoring aspect. Uh, at two end of the ground, there are four, four sets of poles. There, and that's usually um, two short ones on the sides and two tall ones in the middle. Like you can imagine a rugby goalposts with two shorter ones on the sides, equidistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you kick through the two tall ones, then you get six points. And if you kick through the shorter ones, then you get one point. And that's how the scoring happens. So a game of AFL usually have high, you know, usually has high scoring games, say uh, 100 to 120. And that all adds up with these sixes. So I have a question here, right? Uh, given the fact that you've got, you know, these two massive goalposts in the middle, right? And then you've got the two smaller, as I believe they're called behind posts uh, on the that's side, right. correct? Uh, I mean, I've, I've always wondered at how easy it is to score in AFL. I mean, it seems that way to me, right? I know that the ball is ir- irregularly shaped. In fact, I have a souvenir ball over here that my dad got from oh. Australia a long time ago. So, Sharon Putty. Uh, but as far as, uh, but as, far as uh, just the scoring is concerned, like, it seems like quite easy to me, right? Because the, they're so tall and wide. Whereas you've got, uh, whereas in soccer, you have like a smaller goal and you've got a goalkeeper who's there to uh, block the shots as well, right? And, I'm, and I, come from like, ha- I come from having played soccer a bit in my uh, childhood. So that's where I'm coming from. Well, absolutely. Two very different games. And that's why it is called the, you know, a visual spectation, uh, spect- uh, spectacle uh, when you watch an AFL game live because there could be goals kicked from 50, 60 meters away from the post. because be half uh, you know, of a football field. Of a exactly. Field. Yeah. Exactly. So because of the height, there is, of course, no goalkeeper. There are fullback defenders who are there to kind of... So there is this aspect where if you kick and if it's at a low level where you can prop, the defender can touch the ball, if yes. they touch the ball before it goes into the sixth zone, it becomes a one. Yes. So that's an advantage for the defending team if they can do it. Yes. But of course, if you kick higher up, it becomes a six. And um, I think that's why um, there's the difference between soccer and um, AFL that... There's so many goals. So I've heard from many, um, and especially a lot of um, international students who move to Australia to study and then watch this new sport for the first time, they are very excited that they're scoring throughout the game. And whereas sometimes in soccer, you might sit through the game and there might be no goal at all. So that builds and adds to the excitement of the game. Right, right. That's uh, definitely a valid point to be made there. Another, I just like to allude to another sort of... um, question uh, that I had about the size of the ground, right? Now, cricket ovals we know in Australia are generally much bigger than the cricket, uh, uh, cricket uh, uh, ovals or fields or whatever we see in India or England or elsewhere. Does, and given the fact that, you know, there are 18 players on the field uh, at e- any given time, uh, does AFL, does Aussie rules need to be played on massive grounds or can we sort of be being, uh, see this in India? And we'll talk about that a little later as well, but just if you can give us a quick rundown about that. Well, absolutely. To give you a perspective, the smallest 
cricket field uh, where AFL is played in Australia is the SCG, the Sydney Cricket Ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, there have been efforts to try and take a professional game of AFL to India for a number of years. And just to give you that perspective, so the smallest ground, SCG, was similar in size to one of the biggest uh, grounds that we had in Mumbai, the DY Patil Stadium. So right. yes, it is a factor that it might be a bit of a challenge to play 18 aside on the smaller cricket grounds. Um, they, you know, sometimes in the local leagues or the state levels, they sometimes, or even women's game, they reduce the number of players just to fit to that ground. Because, um, you know, if it's 18 on a smaller ground, it might become too crowded. Right, right. So that is a bit of a challenging aspect, but we can talk about how AFL India has tried to get past that a little later. Finally, I'd like to ask you about height. Right. So you mentioned that at the beginning in the center square or the, uh, or the center circle, uh, the two tallest players, Rakhman, who are 200 centimeters plus, that's around six foot six, six foot seven. Right. They essentially uh, have to jump up and compete. And then, of course, there's the aspect of marking in the game. So just to sort of quickly explain to our viewers what a mark is, I'll try to do that. So if a player kicks the ball and it travels more than 15 meters in the air and it's untouched by any other player and then some other player... Uh, catches the ball successfully, then it's called a mark, and the player who caught the ball gets a free kick of sorts. So to take marks, uh, essentially what's happening is that I mean, height is definitely an advantage here, right? And that's where you sort of see the basketball aspect coming in. So over here in in the AFL, is having like a muscular, athletic, tall body like a must, or can smaller people manage with you know tactical awareness and just a better sporting brain? Well, absolutely. It is called a game for everyone. So unlike, say, for example, just to give you a comparison, like rugby, where you need really big, strong bodies to play the game, it is not a must. There, there's players and top players who are under like five foot five inches in height. So um, they are amazing in the full forward position or the forward pocket positions where they can just sneak in from um, through the play, other taller players, get the ball and just kick the ball into the goal. So, I mean, not just that position, but there is a position for everyone, any, any shape, any size, you don't need to be big and muscular. Um, you know, if you do a big, uh, you know, just a bit quick re research on Google on AFL players, you would see them from various different shapes and sizes. Yes, um, definitely. I uh, like, uh, th there are a few players, for example, and this is where I'll plug in the Amazon Prime documentary on uh, the AFL, which came out just before the season began in March this year. Uh, it's called Making Their Mark. It's very much available on Amazon Prime India. And it's an excellent watch. I'd recommend it to anybody. Uh, they document Eddie Betts, who, as per Google, is five foot nine, which is quite small by Australian standards. And he's an, he's an absolute legend. He can kick goals from anywhere. He's just, he's newly he's just retired. Uh, but yeah. uh, for the how many ever, 15, 16, 17 years that he did play professional football, professional AFL, uh, he was mesmerizing to watch. Um, so now I'd like to move on to the league itself. So the AFL, as I mentioned earlier, it's an immensely popular league. Big sponsors like McDonald's and Toyota are present. In fact, it is free to air in India on, ABC, on the ABC Australia channel. So if someone's curious to watch the grand final, it's on this Saturday, 2.50 if you're uh, satellite provider does have ABC Australia, you can watch it there. Um, and as far as the league itself is concerned, so my impression is that the IPL possibly got inspired a little by the AFL as far as the structure is concerned. 
right? You've got a home and away slash league season, and then you've got eliminators, etc., making up the final before a grand final. In fact, um, like people may have heard Aussie commentators like Brett Lee calling the IPL final a grand final. It's Australia from where the term originates. So, Sadeep, if you could maybe just explain the basics of the league, the teams which they have, and on the sort of fandom that exists, uh, and so on and so forth, as well as a little bit about the players who go on to play in the AFL and forge successful careers. Absolutely. So, um, just coming back, starting with the league first, um, yeah. there are 18 clubs that participate in the league. Mm -hmm. Season starts usually the last uh, Saturday or the last weekend in March. Uh, which you know kind of builds into the winter season of Australia because Australia is in the southern hemisphere, so opposite weather yes. uh, in the country. So it starts end of March, and it's usually the grand final, as you rightly pointed out, is the last Saturday of September, yes. and it's always played at the MCG till COVID hit. Um, so for till 2019, it was at the MCG. In 2020, it had to be moved to the GABA in Brisbane. And yes. this year, it's at the Optus Stadium in Perth. And it's just because of the COVID situation in the state of Victoria and in Melbourne. Um, the 18 clubs mostly come, 10 of them come from the state of Victoria, which is um, mostly from around Melbourne. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are two teams each from South Australia, which is in Adelaide, um, two teams from Queensland, which are around Brisbane and Gold Coast, and then two teams from uh, New South Wales, which are in Sydney. Uh, and then uh, two teams from Western Australia, uh, which is in Perth. So that makes the 18 teams. And I might want to touch on this really interesting fact about the grand final in general. It, uh, there is a special sporting public holiday in the state of Victoria every year. So the Friday oh, wow. before the grand final, the Saturday is the grand final. And then yeah. um, this Friday, it's a public holiday in, across the state. And it's to celebrate the two finalist teams who are going to play in that final. So there is a big march, like a procession across Melbourne, who, where the teams are paraded on open, open cars, and then they go across to the MCG for the crowd to you know, celebrate with the players. Right. That's very, that's um, very interesting. I, was, I think I was a little aware of this grand final parade that you talk about, but I did not know that it was a public holiday. It just goes to show how footy mad uh, Melbourne is about, uh, and uh, Victoria is about um, the AFL. Uh, but, and I'd like to just touch upon something else that you mentioned, right? So there are 10 teams from the state of Victoria, nine of which are in Melbourne. So uh, there is this very interesting aspect over here, which a lot of people aren't aware about. So I'll, I'll talk about this for a bit. There's something called the Barazi line, which is... Um, Essentially, uh, it was a concept invented by Ron Barazi, who was, uh, I think, an AFL legend way back in the day. And he basically drew a line through a map of Australia and said, right, to the north of this, so in New South Wales and Queensland, that's where rugby league dominates. And then you basically have Victoria, Western Australia, South Australia, the Northern Territory, and Tasmania, which is where AFL dominates. But, uh, I mean, uh, this is, uh, so would you say that this is very much true even today? that AFL has its own concentrations and it's particularly concentrated in Victoria and it doesn't have that much of a reach in New South Wales and Queensland and the AFL is maybe struggling there a little. Or would you say that this notion is going away in your opinion? It, it is absolutely going away. So it, it is probably three. The game originated from Melbourne, Victoria and that's why there were clubs that cropped up around Melbourne. 
It used to be called the Victorian uh, Football League, VFL, and then it gradually changed into the Australian Football League with teams from South Australia and Western Australia joining in. Uh, and when you mentioned the rugby state, yes, of course, New, New South Wales and Queensland are a little more um, popular with rugby. Uh, but I guess with the new teams that are, uh, the AFL has taken conscious efforts in establishing new teams in those states to help generate the interest of AFL. So it is changing for sure. And there is uh, talks now on to have an, the first ever team from the island, of, island state of Tasmania uh, very soon as well. Right, right. That's uh, that's definitely a positive for the game. After all, the uh, like the business of the AFL is massive. Uh, it generates. I mean, it's said to be a billion dollar business, which is quite outstanding. If you look at a if if you look at a country which just has twenty five million people, right? And uh, that's something which yeah. And it's and and the sport is of course mainly concentrated in Australia, with maybe some followings elsewhere. It isn't exactly, exactly. like the English Premier League, which is uh, followed globally. So, of course, uh, just coming back to the league and just uh, one or two more points. So, of course, uh, eight teams qualify for the final season, which is what's going on right now. And we have the grand finals this Saturday. Um, making it to finals is what it's about for a team and what it's about for players. And, of course, over here, I'd like to talk about a little bit about the journey of players as such. Right. So, maybe Sudeep can talk a little bit about the AFL draft over here, if you'd so please. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing that we would notice um, and coming from the Indian culture is that a lot of importance is given to more youngsters. Yes. So as soon as you're 16, you yes. can be picked up in the main squad. And uh, it's, a, it's a, something that I realized when I first traveled to Australia that the seniors sometimes sit on the bench and it's the younger ones that are playing in the main 18 or I would say 22 because uh, yes. AFL also has a unique aspect where you can have rotating subs. Yes. So you can go in and multiple, out multiple, multiple times. times. Yes, because of how tiring yeah. the game can get. Essentially. Oh, absolutely. A, yeah. a player, what I'm aware, uh, in a soccer game or a round football game, runs for about 10, 11 kilometers during the game. And mm -hmm. here it's about 15 to 18 kilometers every wow. game. Yes. And, and that to the movement um, in 360 degrees. So you're running in every direction. So yeah, it's very, very tedious uh, to play AFL for sure. So... Um, I think that's why it's a bit more focused with the younger ones who've got that more energy, more, you know, uh, the ability to, uh, you know, avoid injuries, maybe if I can put it that way. Um, so they tend to retire earlier as well than cricket and soccer. I exactly. Like 30 year old that's, retiring is not unheard of in AFL. Yeah. Oh, 28. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say 16 to 28 max is like the prime time for right. an AFL player. Right. And a very interesting point here is Shane Vaughan was a, elite level under 18 AFL player for yes. St. Kilda Football Club yes, yes. before he uh, injured yes. himself and then he moved on to cricket. And there is quite yes. a few other examples yeah. like this. Yes, definitely. Uh, I was going to add, Alex Carey was actually even closer than Shane Vaughan, I believe. And Mitchell Marsh uh, was uh, going to go as a top 10 uh, pick in the draft as well. And, and there are, of course, top level AFL players who could have played cricket at an elite level as well. One example is Alex Keith, I believe, of the Western Bulldogs, who has even played first-class cricket in the Sheffield Shield. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes. So anyway, so coming to the, speaking of the draft, if you could sort of explain that system and how big a deal it is over here to, uh, in Australia to clubs. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's a massive day. Uh, clubs prepared. There is a list management talent acquisition team at every club that manages this process and they work for months mm -hmm. identifying talent, you know, talking to their managers, talking to themselves, their parents, because sometimes they're young. 
and just you know trying to hunt them down and manage the 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 budget that they have to recruit players so yes. it can be a very complex process and might yes. be a little um, less time here with us today to oh, explain definitely. but <laughs> I, I don't think even clubs fully understand it <laughs> absolutely so um so basically it depends on where where you finish uh, the previous year and then that's how you get the the draft picks the following year Yes. So that that's similar to, to the NFL or the NBA, yes. Yeah. So if you finish on top, you get the better better draft pick. So there are you know draft pick you know one two three four and the number goes on, and and sometimes the clubs are even allowed to trade their draft. So if they want to you know get uh, a particular player, they might have to give up their picks number thirteen or fifteen uh, in exchange of the player of choice. Right. Definitely. uh before we uh start, before we move on to um other topics such as AFL India i'd like to know if there's anything uh interesting which you would like to talk about over here as far as the game is concerned or the league is concerned any other aspects which we haven't looked at so far well of course a very interesting aspect and one of the toughest skills in this game is to bounce this oval shaped ball so it's again a, a skill you know a rule that exists similar to ba- basketball so if you are running with the ball you can't just keep run from one end of the field to the other you have right. to b- bounce the ball or touch it to the ground every 10 meters right so either you can bounce it while on the run or if there's no around sometimes players or if the conditions are wet if it's raining uh, bounce would be difficult so players bend down and touch the ball on the ground so bouncing is something that i have realized while playing and of course I've spoken to a number of afl players is one of the toughest skills that you uh pick up over the years it doesn't come uh quickly right right yeah that seems that seems very that seems quite uh, tricky to do in fact i don't see too much bouncing i think i prefer, i think I, uh, like when i watch the game i think players prefer to handball the pass like you said the volleyball underarm serve or uh, kick the ball to their uh, teammates rather than you know running for longish distances and bouncing it um i would also have to say that there's a, an element is there an element of subjectivity here for the umpires cuz how can you judge what exactly is 15 meters for the mark or 10 meters to see if a player has to bounce the ball uh is i mean that's something which would be quite tricky to do right and that's something which could be quite contentious at a professional level well absolutely and that's why there are more than one umpire another interesting aspect of the game you've got the three umpires on the field uh, two right. more on the boundaries two more on the goals so you have got multiple umpires tracking each and every part of the game and they go through rigorous training like the players so two week nights they would be training for two to three hours on the field running around doing drills so they need to be at the highest level of the fitness as well they can't be they can't be interchanged or substituted can they unless they are injured by by chance right right definitely so um so that's uh, enough about the professional game for now i'd like to ask you sudeep about the work that you and the afl have done in india to advance the sport i am aware i think that ricky ponting came a few years back uh, for an event uh, maybe other cricketers have as well uh, given you know uh, given you know the overlap between aussie rules and cricket in australia um, that i mean that, that's the way it, it this is the way it's always worked cricket is a summer sport aussie rules is the winter sport uh but uh, so I'd li- but i'd like to know a little more about uh, uh, the tournaments which you hold over here where exactly they take place how many teams how many participants you have um sure. and and whether or not india has a national team that we can all get behind absolutely 
So um, back in 2008, when Ricky Ponting was playing in the IPL for the Knight Riders, he was in Kolkata where he launched the, helped launch this sport. And um, there is an AFL International Cup that is organized in Australia every three years. So it is the equivalent of the World Cup for the sport, but yes. Australia does not participate in it. That's why it's not called the World Cup. It's the International Cup because they, they have been playing it for generations. So no other country can match their skill level. So mm -hmm. usually there are 18 countries which participate in the International Cup. And um, there was an agreement um, between the um, Kabaddi Federation in West Bengal and Australian Football League to just try wow. and help cross promote, uh, you know, the two sports right, and right. try and create the first Indian team of AFL. So that's how I got involved when um, this uh, camp was launched and there was a coach from the AFL um, in, in Kolkata for a number of months. I was um, a soccer player or a cricket player uh, at my school and I was just invited to come and try this new sport. And probably my height was an advantage and I, got, I actually got picked in the first team representing India that traveled to Australia in 2008 to participate at the International Cup. Right. So... Um, when I, when I was in Australia to play, I saw the madness, the right, love right. around the sport. And uh, I thought, well, India has got the cricket ovals. Uh, and I later found out that many of the footballs are actually made in Punjab that they play with. So oh, okay. why are we... Yeah, see, if you pick up your share in, you might be able to see it very, you know, around the uh, nozzle, it says made in India. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we, we went back to India and then... Um, for three years, there were no development of the sport. There were about 150 players who had formed that initial pool to play the sport. So right. in 2011, when the time came for another international cup, um, myself and another fellow teammate, we wrote to the AFL and said, look, the players who traveled to Australia to play the sport, we have just loved the sport and we want to take up the responsibility of developing the sport further in the country. So that's right. when we were given the responsibility to you know, take it forward and... Uh, in 2014, uh, we were able to establish the National Federation, headquartered out of Kolkata, the Australian Rules Football Association of India. Mm -hmm. And um, the sport has now grown to uh, 16,000 participants wow. across 11 states of India. Wow. Right. And uh, I mean, I, I think I had a look at this a while back. Are the, is the popularity <laughs> mostly in the east of India? So more West Bengal, Jharkhand, uh, those sorts Odisha. of places? Right, yes, right. Absolutely. So it's, it's acted as a hub um, for the sport in the country. And also, you know, there is probably a little more keen interest in sports in general in that region. Um, a lot of our players are from the indigenous background um, in India. So, you know, we have found that the more talented players and it has kind of uh, reflected in the results of all the national championships we have hosted. It's the Bengal Tigers, the Tarkan Crows, Orisha Swans. They have been right. the predominant top performers in right. our national championship. Right. Of course, uh, possibly sponsored by their uh, AFL counterparts. Well, no, it is not actually sponsored. So all the work done by the Federation is absolutely voluntary. It is oh. all driven by Indians. Right. So that's right. a unique story where all okay. the other countries which now play footy, it's Australian expats who have gone and started living there, who have introduced the sport there and helped in developing it. But oh, India okay. is the unique country where it is 100% okay. run and developed by India. That is, that's absolutely fantastic to know. I'd like to commend you on your work for that. Just as a, a quick aside, uh, so, I mean, this is an interesting fa factoid over here. You mentioned Kabaddi. In fact, uh, uh, in fact, I think uh, 
So Campbell Brown, who is an ex AFL player, I remember a read. I remember reading about this earlier as well. So he basically uh, had never played kabaddi prior to the 2016 World Cup, and then he was Australia's captain for the kabaddi World Cup in 2016. So you sort of see that overlap over there. Just a little uh, factoid with well, good, huh? well, that was uh, kind of of course you know International Kabaddi Federation and Star Sports uh, were very keen to have an Australian team and you know the sport introduced to australia but um, i kind of led that formation of the team as well out oh, of wow. my personal interest um, in the cross promoting the sport so i had um, i had just moved to australia in 2016 to work for the afl league and essendon football club on a joint role um, when i was presented with this opportunity to you know help form the first kabaddi team for australia so it wasn't just Campbell Brown. There were a few other uh, former AFL players, some state-level VFL players. So it was formed mostly by players who were playing AFL at some level or had just retired. And, you know, as we spoke about the retirement, they're 28, um, 30s, uh, still quite young. So it was an effort for over two months to train them. And right. it was, um, we had coaches um, from India who came over and helped us train the team. And in two months time, I think we, uh, the Australian Kabaddi team did a really good job, even won a game against Argentina. Um, so that was fantastic. So I guess I have developed this personal, um, you know, interest in cross promoting Indian and Australian culture beyond AFL. Right, right. So, uh, uh, so, your, so your, your role is currently still uh, heading up AFL India, as well as um, you're, you're currently in another role uh, at a university in Victoria, is that correct? So, um, so voluntarily, I still, of course, as the founder and you know the main guide of uh, the federation in India, I kind of help with all the international affairs of the federation, the really, you know, um, all the communication and you know guides all the uh, state associations. It's a massive process that's going on with AFL India setting up the state federations. We are ultimate dream is to get recognized by sport authority of india as a recognized sport in the country right. so we are doing a lot of work to achieve that but at the moment i'm actually working for the victoria state government education uh, department of education and training right right so uh, which is the state government in australia uh, okay so that's uh, yeah so and that that would also be sort of in a sport a sport in a sporting context I suppose. Well, absolutely. I mean, um, so I worked with the AFL for five years and I've actually recently just last week moved to the Department of Education because there's a lot of synergy like sport, education and health, I feel go hand in hand when uh, for any young person. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's like a long term picture where how we can also add more value and um, effort in India, not just through sport, but the sport education. A landscape that I'm really keen to help contribute to and help develop. Okay, so um, is there, uh, so now that we've covered all the aspects that we really wanted to, is there anything else which you would like to talk about before we uh, before maybe we um, end uh, the show today for today? Well, absolutely. Since of course um, you know it's a new sport in India uh, which is being played across eleven states like this probably uh, thought of mentioning and going back to your question, like the names with the states is just to build more attraction and we just align it with uh, a club that exists in the AFL. So say for Bengal Tigers, yeah. the name of course, Tigers kind of 
fits in well with West Bengal for the Royal Bengal Tigers, but there's actually a club called Richmond Tigers at the AFL. Yes, yes. one of the most uh, so successful how, sides in uh, recent history. Yes, absolutely. So that's how we, you know, aligned with them, and it's just basic support like jerseys and some playing equipment that the clubs usually support right. uh, the teams with. Um, so there is an annual national championship that is organized every year, and uh, the number of teams are growing as well. And there are two divisions, the seniors and uh, under 16, the junior division. We are also trying to get uh, women's competition up, hopefully in a few years. And alongside that, there are state championships that are organized, and slowly every state is picking that up. And also in 2020, sorry, in 2019, before COVID, we organized the first zonal tournament, which uh, was the South Zone tournament where uh, we had the Tamil Nadu Kangaroos, the Telangana Saints, uh, the Kerala Bombers, uh, and the Andhra Pradesh Magpies uh, compete in a zonal tournament for the first time. Uh, We are planning to have an East Zone tournament as well. So I guess, as I mentioned, uh, we are trying to achieve that status of a national recognized sport, which is probably a long-term plan. So we are trying to work alongside, uh, along with all the guidelines that exist. Definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, these efforts sound uh, commendable and it's great to know that the sport is growing. I had one very quick question over here. Do you play it full contact in India? Because that is something well, which I very... see as a po- uh, potential, uh, uh, as a potential roadblock because parents might see the sport being played out and it isn't as rough as rugby. But it can get quite. Uh, it can. It can. Le- there can be concussions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for sure. Yeah. Very, very important question. So I might just quickly mention that outside of Australia, where there's uh, a lack of availability of cricket ovals, it is played in a nine-a-side format on any rectangular field. So it could be a soccer field, rugby field. Okay. And that's what we do in India, because of course not all the main cricket grounds are available because there's the pitch factor. There's a yes. pitch in the middle, which yes. no groundsman will want to that be tampered. We, we don't have a drop-in pitches like Australia does. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why even like many countries in Europe, in India, we play a nine-a-side format with three substitutes. And we kind of corner off the edges of the rectangle to make give it a bit of an oval feel. And um, and yes, yeah, so coming back to the, the tackle aspect, we have under our uh, you know, child protection policy, we do not have any tackling for under 16, so in the junior division, right. but only it is only for the seniors where tackling is allowed uh, right. as per the AFL rules. But you, know, uh, you had rightly pointed out that you don't see a lot of bouncing. It's mostly the handball and the kicks. And yes. that is the unique aspect of the sport. As soon as you have got rid of the ball, you cannot be tackled. It will be illegal. Yes. So if you kick the ball or you hand pass the ball as soon as you get it, yes. which is called a disposal. So if you dispose of the ball, yes. nobody can tackle you. So that's an interesting aspect. So if, you know, we have had very few injuries, you know, thankfully, uh, over our national competitions. And uh, I guess you know, it comes down to your own fitness. So it requires a lot of fitness in the game to run in multiple directions during the game. So um, you know, for parents who are scared, of course, look, there could be injuries even in a game of soccer, uh, in a game of basketball. So those are normal injuries that come with any sport. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's a completely new sport and uh, we, we take all the precautions needed to help protect our players. And, uh, you know, thankfully, we have had very few injuries so far. That's great to know. But in under-16s, then if tackling doesn't work uh, because 
of course tackling is like a key aspect of the sport at professional level and at adult level how exactly does it take place at under 16 levels then is it like flag football where i mean in america they have this aspect where of course you know they don't want kids to tackle each other either they basically uh, make them wear handkerchiefs in their shorts and if you pull out that handkerchief it means you're tackled uh, but, uh, so how do you yeah. work in india yeah so it there is actually a format here uh, in australia as well called the afn 9 it's yes. like you know uh, like a rugby 7 so it's a short of version yes. no tackling where uh, you know it depends on um, uh, you know the 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 defender so i mean basically if i touch my opponent within 3 seconds you have to release the ball or oh. it will be considered a tackle ah okay so that yeah so, that can that, yeah that can be i mean that's uh, that's easier to monitor in a smaller game but it can also absolutely. be it can also still be quite quick uh, quite tricky um so thank you so much sudeep uh, for agreeing to be on the show today uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you your passion has um has come through from melbourne to delhi and yes um all the very best to you and i hope uh, some listeners of this podcast will be watching uh, the afl grand final this uh, saturday uh, uh, this saturday afternoon thank you so much once again sudeep oh thank you so much for having me here and i might just quickly add in for anyone listening who is keen to find out a bit more do visit what we are doing through our uh, website aflindia.org we we'll put a link in the description our, yes sure so i mean aflindia.org right that's right yes and AFL thanks India. to the opportunity for us to talk about this new sport that we are trying to develop in the country uh, amongst the sports lovers uh, thanks for the opportunity all right okay so that's the end of our episode and uh, we'll see you all next time thank you <laughs>